0: Greetings. This is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday in the morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio 1590 AM and 95.9 FM in Chicago.
1: Welcome, everyone. This is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap, and it's June 6th, 2020, and I believe it's the Purge, Jason. You know, I think that's what we're living in. It's the Purge right now. You know, uh, how you doing, man? Good to I'm talk to well. you. Doing well
0: yeah, it's yeah. Been great.
1: Yeah. yeah, you're talking about uh, the amount of working out you're doing, the vitality you're demonstrating, eh
0: mm-hmm, 13 miles a day on the bike and uh, getting my mojo back and of course feeling optimistic and hopeful, and that's just my temperament, you know I was depressed yeah. I was politically depressed last week, yeah, which is I'm not a depressive person. I have melancholic <laughs> moments, but I'm back in this just you know, um fighting. a lot of writing and editorials and yeah i've had
1: almost the opposite week it's the lowest i've been in um in in a long time last weekend last weekend show was difficult for me and and i shared that yeah and then and then after we were done with the show and especially you know our conversation made a huge difference for me i I left uplifted and saturday night was an incredible night i i barbecued out on the, the patio and enjoyed a beer and a couple of cigars and uh just had a, a really nice evening and Sunday Sunday I, I went to a protest in Naperville. Mm-hmm. Um and it was it was uh identified as a family friendly protest. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I went there and it was very respectful, very honorable. There was a list of grievances that were made. Mm-hmm. Um, I You know, coming from their subjective reality, I get it. I understand the grievances. They weren't. They weren't ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's multiple perspectives to take from it. But you know, whenever someone has a grievance, it's coming from their own point of view and from their own experience, and you have to listen to that. And so I had, you know, I thought it was really cool. Went home, uh, got ready for the week. Was working Monday, and then all hell broke loose. You know, there were there were riots in Berwyn on Sunday night. And Berwyn, parts of Berwyn were literally under attack. Uh, Monday, there was a a big demonstration in Naperville. And Monday night, there were riots in in Naperville. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a concern in my neighborhood that um, the rioters, because the rioters had been pushed out of downtown, were going to go to the subdivisions. And so there was a a huge concern. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: you know, when you live in a cul-de-sac in a town like Naperville, you know, You don't expect that you're going to have to be armed and protect your home and the people that are near and dear to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so my experience of how life is supposed to go and how it really went, there was quite a gap there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the week, throughout the week, there was all these different challenges that were related to that. I mean, there were a lot of... For lack of better, rioting and looting, you know, all around me. And Cicero, Cicero engaged the services of the Latin kings to provide security service for part of the city, Mm -hmm. which I'm not sure, I I thought the Rolling Stones learned at Altamont that wasn't a good choice in hiring a gang. But, and two people ended up getting killed. And then Mm -hmm. throughout the week, if any black person went down Roosevelt Road in Cicero, they got pulled from their cars and beaten up. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it to me it occurs like we've gone from anarchy to pure almost mayhem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I really kind of wonder what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm glad you didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. That it didn't get out to Elgin. You
0: know? It did. Well, the protest got to the
1: protest did, but yeah. the I don't think the writing
0: did it. Not the writing. No, no, and and, and people peacefully protested and yeah, residents joined and the and the protests made it very clear. And and one thing I, I have been one thing that has made me sort of Hopeful about America, and mm-hmm. and because I'm always trying to see the, you know me, I'm always yeah. trying to see the best, the best within, the best of mm-hmm. people, is that a lot of the protesters have been saying to uh, the rioters and looters, stay away from us. Like there was this black woman on camera on TV. She said, we don't want any part of you, Antifa, whatever you. Co-. She couldn't, she didn't know how to pronounce the word because it was yeah. the first time she was hearing of of these groups. Yeah. you you looters, you rioters, you anti. Yeah. And she says, "You teething, anti, <laughs> you know, whoever you call yourself, stay away, stay away from us because you're just yeah. endangering our cause."
1: I um, think one of the things that has really become clear is the protesters are different than the looters and the rioters. I, yeah. I, I think there's no no doubt there.
0: Oh, heck. Did You yeah. guys lose me. Well, that's that's true. Right and I, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just I'll just we've lost you Hello? for a second. I'm sorry. I think we'll last for a second, but yeah, I think there's always been historically a difference between in any sort of uprising a difference between protesters and looters and rioters and there are people who will exploit a situation. Um, in order to uh, for self self gaining purposes, and um, I think that's what we, we're seeing happening here. Um, but there's a larger context in which to place all of this. And, are you back, Mike?
1: I'm back now. I'm sorry. i just for everyone to know. I'm I'm in uh, in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where the Fox River meets Lake Winnebago. And uh, I apologize.
0: No, that's okay. I was I was continuing to talk while you were gone, and I was saying Good. that historically, there have always been, you know, exploitative groups, anarchists, mm-hmm. and and just plain, federalists who yeah. will, who will. Exploit the moral agenda of any, and you look at this throughout history. You look at it through the Vietnam War. You look mm-hmm. at it through the Civil Rights Movement. Yeah. Um, you know, you had um, even during the Civil Rights Movement. I'm not even talking about the Black Panther Movement. I'm talking mm-hmm. about other movements that would just target white people for being white people and said, you know, riot and burn down any white person's home because they're white, and uh, as opposed to to Martin Luther King's message. Yeah. Um, so I think historically, this is, this is not surprising to me because having mm-hmm. studied the history of protests and from, from mm-hmm. millennia where you see outsiders who are outside of the ambit of the movement yeah. coming in to exploit it for self-serving purposes, this is to be expected. Yeah. Um, and, and one has to respond uh, quite... Um, with a kind of uh, with forcefully to, just to quell those riots and those looters, looters and rioters have no place in no a in a civilized society
1: none none, none whatsoever and I, one of my concerns is it seems to be in many of these cities for whatever reason that um, there's been kind of a passive approach to them the looters and rioters you know um, they've kind of allowed them to do it you know and there seems to be a an allowance of it you think so I, yeah yeah I,
0: I, I mean I would disagree I, I see, actually I see I mean I've been watching the news like a hawk and mm-hmm. I see a lot of I see quite the opposite I see a lot really? of t- police officers turning on peaceful protesters to say nothing of the looters and the rioters I see more energy being leveled against peaceful protesters really have like little young girls having t- uh Pepper spray, being you know, yeah. police, police pushing this seventy-five-year-old man to the ground. You know, in Atlanta, these these six police officers of that that Atlanta mayor has suspended or fired. Yeah. I mean, these just two innocent black students from Spelman and Morehouse coming from a peaceful protest and yeah. being mishandled by the police. I see, and this is this is ju- this this lends legitimacy to this notion of systemic police violence. Mm-hmm. So. I've seen more evidence of the police really mishandling and mistreating. I mean, the whole Donald Trump thing with with the pepper gas, the tear gassing um, the protesters, not the rioters and looters, the peaceful yeah. protesters. For him to have his, you know, sort of like um, red carpet walk towards the mm-hmm. Rose Garden is disgraceful. It's just, that was just a, and then to hold up the Bible and, and and to have a photo op moment, that was a massive show of force. An unethical, on un, I think improper show of force against protesters, peaceful protesters. So I've I've seen, uh, an an uh, 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 what I call, an unethical use of force, throughout the week, against peaceful protesters, um, and I really haven't seen too much being done about the looters, or the rioters. I mean I don't I don't. Well, I haven't watched
1: the news intentionally because I really question some of the, not the legitimacy of the news, but the proportionality of it, you know, like the editing and what's the agenda behind it. Like what's the, what's the overall message you're trying to point to? Um, what, what I'm talking about is what I personally witnessed, mm-hmm. you know, both in Berwyn and in Naperville. Um, what I've witnessed is the police use a tremendous amount of constraint. Um, Error. If they did error, err on the side of allowing versus the side of bringing force. Um, an emphasis put on cleaning up. There's been definitely preventative. I mean, in Berwyn, they they they've been very proactive in locking down areas before the the looters and the rioters get there, so, yeah. to make it difficult for them to get in. But I haven't seen any looters or riders You know, do the 1968 Chicago police version of Law and order. You know, I've, I've not seen anybody batoned. You know, or heard of any of that. You know, um, so that's what I'm talking about. You know, I, I, you know, I could only imagine what it would be like
0: to be a police officer. Look, um, I have gone on record as, you know, talking about the extent to which local political bodies have been ineffective, for example, in breaking up gang members mm-hmm. and, 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 and crime units in their respective cities from Baltimore to Chicago have mm-hmm. written about this, largely because of two things. The police, law enforcement is vastly underfunded and vastly overworked, but also because of an element of distrust yeah. between the local communities and law enforcement. And that distrust is not something that is just imagined. That distrust is something that exists because of uh, a a relationship gone bad. And I was very, very moved by the Texas, the chief of police of, of, of Houston coming on TV, being interviewed by Christian Amanpour. And he basically said, look, we need to get back to love and kindness and mm-hmm. that kindness should not be mistaken for weakness. We're out to get the bad guys, the gang members, the criminals. But we used to have a, a situation in America where police officers were greeted with, Hey, officer, hey, hey, by both blacks, Hispanics, and whites. And he says, It's a really, really horrible situation when your average citizen, but especially your black, your minority citizens, have a, a, a horrible feeling in their stomach when a police car approaches that does not belong in the United States of America. We public police officers are our public servants. We yeah. employ them. They have a coercive use of force, a monopoly a coercive monopoly on the use of force. And there's been an erosion of trust in law enforcement, largely because of rightly. So I think i um, an overuse of force in certain cases, not in all cases, but an overuse of force uh, by the police in enforcing the law. And he's, you know, this, this notion of police officers being embedded in local communities where there's trust, where you don't see the police officer as your enemy, but as your advocate has got to be restored. And he basically said, she asked him if you had anything to say to President Trump, and he, she basically, he basically said, yes, stop running this country like The Apprentice and stop firing people yeah. every day. This is not your Hollywood platform, and if you don't have anything constructive to say, shut the hell up. This is not The Apprentice, and you had a moment to unite this country, and you're using divisive rhetoric of divide and conquer, which is not helping law enforcement he says i speak as a police officer not helping law enforcement in this country to unite with our local communities whom we serve and by the way whom we're paid by we pay these police officers with our tax dollars
1: yeah yeah you know jay it's um you know i i fell out for a second there but what i was hearing you talk about is the the guy from houston the police chief and you know speaking about the the breakdown in trust and also the relationship that Donald Trump's had. I I think those are the two key things. Um, I I look at the breakdown in trust in the police communities, and I I wonder when it started, you know, because there was a time after the 70s were over, you know, there was a lot of police abuse, you know, know, during the Nixon administration, the whole law and order thing. And then it started to... I remember around 1980 or so, there became this this idea of community policing and coming together. And I, I lived in a, in a neighborhood where there were a number of police officers. And I remember I used to have parties in my backyard, and sometimes there was a lot of rock and roll and music, but it was mostly guys sitting around drinking beer and smoking cigars and stuff, you know. And the cops would come by and tell us to turn it down. And then when yeah. they get off their shift, they would come over and they would join us.
0: exactly Exactly. and and
1: it was it was really cool and we would we would stay up till three or four in the morning we weren't bothering anybody we're just talking and getting to know people and and that's i just remember the 80s being this time of people really kind of communicating regardless of what their race or gender gender preference or any of that stuff you know and and then there was a crime bill in 94 and it seemed all of a sudden we got into this new law and order thing. We had to put more people in prison. Mm-hmm. And then there was, you know, 9-11 and we got very scared. And it was the beginning of the militarization of police departments. Yes. I, I mean, I, I, I've seen just in the last few days, you, you see these police departments and they've got these war wagons, you know, and, and they're, they're, it looks like a, a military operation. And the police isn't a military.
0: No, the police is not a
1: military. And, and you've got – I know in Chicago, they've got these tactical squads and these guys ride around in Crown Victorias. And there's three guys that look like NFL linebackers strapped to the hill. Mm-hmm. And they they come in and, and they're tough guys. They're really tough guys. and And – they got baseball hats on and t shirts and blue jeans. You don't know what you know, they look like they look like the CIA special forces operatives when you see in Afghanistan. And these are police
0: officers in the communities. They look like and, the Sabak that used to exist in Iran or something out of Russia. Yeah. This is not it, this is very unamerican.
1: No. And and then the, then you've got the confidential informants where they put people inside of communities to rat on other people so those guys can get out of jail. So it's just I don't know. It's just we've lost we've lost a, an element of human fabric, and I think what's needed is we need to. I think one of the gifts of this thing is it's it's so showing and so illuminating the break in the institutions and the systems that we can't ever go back to this again. There mm-hmm. has to there has to be a fundamental reinvention and reconstruction of the systems we have, and we got to look at. What's really, really important? Right. You know, what are we here for? You know,
0: well, yeah, and I think part of the solution is going to lie in local um, agencies. It's, it's got to begin. Yeah, right. We we can't listen to. I look. I, I agree completely with. And you you know one thing. You can't shut a general up. Right. So I read Mattis's statement article, his mm-hmm. amazing article in. Um. Atlantic. And that's yeah. what you get for firing someone who served his country mm-hmm. for 50 years in mm-hmm. the military, an honorable mm-hmm. soldier. And Donald Trump fired that, you know, forced him to resign or fired him, mm-hmm. to, uh, ousted him like mm-hmm. he's ousted a lot of yeah. people. And he came out and he said, you know, this is the most dangerous president we've had I've ever seen. He's a threat to the Constitution. The language mm-hmm. he uses is divisive. We've got to have, it's not going to come from the, from the president or it's not going to come from the, from the executive branch of government. No. We've got to have these local, local, the governors and the mayors and the mayors of small towns and the mayors of big yeah. cities restoring, funding their, you know, mm-hmm. finding ways to, first of all, fund these underfunded law enforcement agencies. I'll
1: tell you what, I, I, uh, I, I so agree with you. So I live in Naperville. And my office is in Berwyn. Mm-hmm. And I've lived in Naperville for a long time, and I grew up in Berwyn. And these are the two towns I have some relationship with. And I got to say, both mayors, Steve Chirico in, in uh, Naperville and Bob Labero, who's been on our show, um, have both demonstrated incredible leadership in this. hmm and, and and neither one of these guys are trained. You know, one guy owns a flooring company, mm. and the other guy is like a real estate attorney. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys weren't trained in high level diplomacy, but what they are is they're pure leaders and they're men, and they stood up and they listen and they t- they take account for everyone. Mm-hmm. They I, I know I know Mayor Lavero pretty well, and this guy. Even if he doesn't agree with you, he will listen to you. Yeah. And from a mayor standpoint, he, he he he's there to serve the people that he even doesn't agree with. Right. And and that's the kind of leadership we need, and it's only going to be developed at the at the at the lowest level.
0: Right. And you here's know? the other thing, too, Mike. I mean, we talk about. I was talking about, you know, there was a time where police officers used to drive through communities and black, mm-hmm. white or brown the, yeah. they would they would be greeted by hey, hey officer, hey officer. Yeah. But but no, communities are broken. Yeah. And you know, I'm not an advocate of the welfare state. I'm an independent conservative. I I believe in fiscal fiscal yeah. um you know, minimalism. But there's something fundamentally wrong when rich when we have an affirmative action program and a welfare program for rich corporations. Yeah. And you've got communities that are obsolete and broken mm-hmm. for many, many reasons. One, and I speak as an educator, when, for example, a, a plethora of public schools in Chicago are closed for nine months because there's asbestos in in the, in the buildings, yeah. in the ceilings, and students are left out of school for nine months. If that happened in my rich neighborhood of Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. a public school in Lincoln Park, that would have been cleared within... Two weeks oh absolutely so you know if if I don't believe in the welfare state but if we're going to have welfareism for rich corporations and the and the rich people who run them, then we've got to also if that exists then we've also got to invest in our in our public education. I'm not an advocate for public funded education I believe in ch- school choice and private education but if we're going to have which we do have a welfare system for farmers in terms of subsidies. Not and all farmers. Have, not all farmers, right, but a lot yeah. of farmers. And if we're going to have a welfare system of bailouts and and, and, and and privileges for entitlements for rich corporations, then we've got to play a role in rebuilding these communities and investing in our young people, because otherwise we're going to have a national security threat on our hands.
1: I think we already do, Jay. I, I, I think we already do. I think what this is showing is the absolute breakdown in the institutions and our structures and our government structures, our tax systems and, and the whole way we've been playing the game, the playing field is not is is off. Yeah. It's not not even not leveled, it's it's moguled. When you pay and you owe the government more than Amazon does, mm-hmm. there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Don't you think?
0: I think that's a big problem.
1: Yeah. When you when you you know at the end of the year when you've got to write a check to to the United States government and Amazon pays zero tax. Mm-hmm. I think that's an issue.
0: I think that's messed up. Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app. Tune in or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship, opportunities, and rates, please reach out to my co-host, Mike, at MikeSherick at gmail.com. Hey,
1: we're back. It's Mike Sherick, Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. And uh, I loved how the last break went. It just bam again. We're we're both we're both uh, doing this remotely, and uh, some of the some of the transitions aren't quite yet worked out. But we're working on it. Look
0: we'll at funny. funny. That one was awesome. I actually. hope our listeners enjoy them or getting a kick out of having us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our producer just shutting us up and just blasting some <laughs> music and saying, "You talking heads." I'm yeah, shut fight. up. Sh- chop your heads off.
1: Our producer. Producer Randall is a big direct dude who we love and he's also a hockey goalie. And, you know, I think at times it's time to just like enough guys, you're done. Boom. So it's beautiful. <laughs> but we're back. So yeah, man. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, the general Mattis thing. I, I didn't read it per se. I, I've seen some of the notes and the outlines of it. I've respected the man for a long time. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get your take on what he said.
0: Well, he basically thought that the, the 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 president was using divisive rhetoric that he disagreed with, and so, are did you so yeah, yeah. And so did Mark Esper. Mark Esper came out, his his current Secretary of Defense, said that <laughs> I do not support using the Insurrection Act. Americans are fighting for, and Mattis says Americans are fighting for. Mattis says in his article, Americans are basically these people are basically fighting for equal justice under the law, which yeah. they do not enjoy. Yeah, and um. And he said, you know, the, the the he said the president is really out to destroy the Constitution and to and his and his and his and his use of the the military, National Guards, is an overreach of power. Do you think that's his agenda? Is to destroy the Constitution? Look, don't ask me that question. I think that the president has been, uh, and I was I was not someone who you know I didn't vote for him, but when he came into power, I said, you know, mm-hmm. I gave him praise where praise was due Mm because I'm not an ideologue yeah but I think that um I've just been very upset by whether or not he's out to destroy the constitution I think that to comment on general general Mattis's on on secretary Mattis's uh statement is that his rhetoric is definitely divisive when he talks oh. about get out there and dominate and get out there and, and, and conquer. And when he authorizes the use of tear gas to disperse yeah. peaceful protesters so that he can have an up op, an op-ed when he, when he makes no distinction between protesters, looters and rioters, but lumps them all into a sort of necrotic mass of, destroyers of america that is dangerous we first of all the president has the president has yet to come on a podium and say something about george floyd and and whether george floyd was a not to make george floyd out to be some martyr which he's not or some national hero or because he didn't you know that's irrelevant but to say this is a terrible tragedy to this man's family to address why people are protesting a real leader would have arisen and said look uh I know that some of you are suffering. I know that this is a time of strife and uprising, but we've got to come together. And it's the equivalent of Hillary's basket of deplorables, what he's mm-hmm. right? What she did. She's he's he's really indicting a lot of Americans. Yeah. So let me just let me just read a little bit. I just want to read sure. a little bit of um uh of of Mattis's um, if I can find it. Um Statement: um, What he says about the president, what he said about the what he said about the president, that I found very, very interesting. Um, he said basically, um, he says, when I joined the military some fifty years ago, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution, and never did I dream that troops taking the same oath would be ordered under any circumstances to violate the constitutional rights of their fellow citizens much less to provide a bizarre photo op for the elected commander-in-chief with military leadership standing alongside. Um, He says, I have watched the week's unfolding events, angry and appalled. The words equal justice under law are carved in the pediment of the United States Supreme Court, and this is precisely what protesters are rightly demanding. It is a wholesome and unifying demand, one that all of us should be able to get behind. And we must not be distracted by a small number of lawbreakers. The protests are defined by tens of thousands of people of conscience who are insisting that we live up to our values, our values as people, and our values as a nation. Yeah. And he accuses the president of exploiting and creating a false conflict between military and civilian society.
1: Yeah, there's... You know, Jay, this is such – one of the things I think that has shown up since he got elected is the very fabric and the very social contract that we've all had with one another is showing the flaws in it, and it's it's breaking down. I, listen, I am not a Trump apologist. I um, I know you're not. Yeah. I, I did vote for him. I, um, I, I, I would say I'm – um and i voted for him only because i couldn't vote for hillary and i had voted for the libertarian party the last two times and i didn't want my vote to go to waste and i and i also voted in illinois and knew that if i voted for him there was no chance that he was going to win illinois you know so it was kind of a protest vote um when i voted i did think he was going to win after the speech in sterling heights michigan where he had ten thousand um uh Auto workers at eleven o'clock on a Sunday night, out there listening to him. Yeah, he had hit. He had touched a part of the American consciousness that hadn't been touched before. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it was a good thing. Um, the thing that I've been grossly disappointed in him is he's is the same criticism I had for uh, Barack Obama. Is he's not a president for all the people in the country? Barack Obama was a president for half the people in the country, and there was a, a large group of the people that he ignored. And I believe Trump is doing the same thing. It's different people, but it doesn't matter. When you become president, you have to become president for all the people that you're the president for. Like I spoke about Bob Levero, and he's the mayor of a town of sixty thousand people. Yeah. There's there's people that don't like him, but yeah. he doesn't care. You know. Yeah. He's the mayor for all sixty thousand people in Berwyn.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Same thing with Steve Chirico. Is you know, it's one hundred and forty thousand people. There's people that that didn't vote for him there's people that, that criticize him it doesn't matter to him he's the mayor for everyone right. that's not the case with trump that's that's as big a criticism I give like even there are people that not only is, does he ignore and doesn't pay attention to there's people he's against that are american right. citizen that doesn't work but that's happened across the board with all that's how politics has gotten so divisive right
0: well one, yeah one of the reasons i did not vote for him was because yeah. i thought i didn't like this idea of building a wall because i thought look yeah. the enemies out there are the islamic jihadists not mexico mexico, not mexico is not mexico. A, oh. like look we need to enforce immigration policies sure. and every country has a right to vet and determine the criteria by which citizens legally get let into its citizens but i thought that this creation of building a wall and protect us from these invaders and like when was the last time you heard of a Mexican strapping on a bomb and going into or crashing planes into buildings? Never. You yeah, know, we I'm, have we have these gang members that can be. <laughs> we have enough border controllers and we have enough intelligence to track these cartel members who are in, you know, who are invading our country. Dude, but I, I, set, setting I, up yeah. the Mexican people as enemies of the United States just as an immigrant just really, you know, my
1: my office, like I said uh, several times, is in Berwyn. Berwyn has this. Hispanic population somewhere of 55, 60%, depending on how you measure it. Um, of that 55 to 60%, it's probably 95%, um, Mexican, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I've gotten to know a number of, and, and I knew him before I worked with him. Yes. The, it, <laughs> this, this, this one young Mexican man I met, um, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about where I was from, and you know, I grew up in a Polish neighborhood. He goes, "Mexicans are just like Polish people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They work hard. They mm-hmm. care about their families. Their church is important to them. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all the same, mm-hmm. you know. When we when someone comes from a Judeo Christian background, it's the same values,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. There's there's no difference here. This this making Mexico out to be the boogeyman was insane. Was yes, insane. It was insane. It was crazy. You know, I love Mexico. Do they have problems down there with drugs and, and gangs? Sure they do. Do they have problems down there with corrupt politicians? As long as Mexico's been Mexico, they've had that problem. Had the problem. right? But yeah. it doesn't mean that Mexican Mexican people come here for one reason and one reason only to have a better life. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what the United States used to be. It used to be a country where people could come from all over the world to come here or be born here and make a great life, make a better life for themselves. Yeah. I'm afraid the potential of having a better life for your children than you have for yourself is over. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest problem, and that's a breakdown in institution. And at the formation of that, at the root cause of that is the greed of government, politicians, ba- big banks, mm-hmm. large large co- multinational global corporations. That's That's the problem, and we've been so focused on just making our lives work. We've gone along with it. Yeah. What what this what this breakdown shows is the fundamental structural breakdown in the institutions.
0: Yeah. So. And there's a nativist rhetoric that Trump, you know, espouses that I just don't. I mean, like you're, no. you're, you're talking about a black immigrant here. I mean, I'm not going to talk about ethnic nationalism and embrace ethnic no, nationalism. No, that's stupid. And, nat- and nativism. I mean, I, I just can't. I can't support uh, uh, an executive. Uh, branch of government that espouses that kind of ethos it, it it strikes me too much of nazi ideology i'm sorry i mean well, i mean if, I,
1: if, I, if, think about what ethnic nativism is it makes sense <laughs> if you're from france or germany or belgium or somewhere like that it makes no sense for america america's a land of immigrants it's insane yeah. it's insane yeah. so i don't know what our break is when's our break coming panel i don't want to screw this up again two minutes but no you two minutes okay you're so right you're so right jay
0: i mean i don't think in the global world today nativism i mean i mean i don't see where i don't see where in principle any kind of nativism no uh which prescribes which discriminates on criteria that have nothing to do with the moral character of a person actually oh. makes sense it's elitism.
1: It's elitism um, it's, in its pure sense.
0: It's tribalism. It's a dangerous yeah. form of tribalism where you exclude someone yeah. from membership based on and nothing I but lost you, damn it. Um, you know, based on nothing but the, the characteristics, of, uh, a racial or ethnic characteristics that has nothing to do with their their moral character, and that kind of exclusion is 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 illiberal and it's. Um, it has become very, very un-American. So,
1: Yeah, you, you were mentioned on the break about uh, the police officers kneeling. Uh, and, the, and the National Guard. National Guard troops. kneeling. I, you know, uh, at one hand, I, I, I don't know how I am about it. You know, yeah. as, a, as a peace offering, I'm good with it. Yeah. Uh, the one that irritated me was Eric Garcetti, the mayor, mm-hmm. who in Los Angeles, you know, you can't go to a restaurant, but here he is in a crowd of people kneeling and it just, to me, it occurs like virtue signaling and it occurs like appeasement. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, you know, I, I've got some issues. I, d- I don't know. I, I'm not in his shoes. I can't really judge him, but I'm just going to say how it, it occurs as performance to me. I didn't take it as an authentic expression of of right. commitment. That's my concern. If it's authentic, it's good. If it's a play, I don't want to see it. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's,
0: it's, it's, yeah, go ahead, Mike. No,
1: no, no. I, I just... One of the challenges I've been having is, um, this is going to sound bad. That's probably going to give me a lot of grief. But at the core of what I think a, a big amount of the problem is, are these liberal, elitist white people who are you know, doing all this self-shaming all under the guise of looking good, is how it seems to me. And, and again, I'm not in their shoes, but it's just, it's just rubbing me wrong. I, mm. I, I have not apologized for being white. I don't intend to, mm. you know, and nobody asked me if I wanted to be white. I was born white. Right. You know what my job, I, I don't get a say in that. Just like I don't get a say in if I'm a man or not. I just mm-hmm. have to be the best I can at that. Mm-hmm. And I fail often. And then I clean it up and I move forward right you know so i it's it's interesting it's it's, i'd love to know what your take is on all of that
0: well you know in my book we have overcome i've written a huge section on when we talked about white privilege last Mm -hmm. week at length so i won't revisit that subject and i've said that you know there is no crime in being black and there's no crime in being white and racial descriptive identities are more than neutral and Mm -hmm. nobody should nobody should apologize for being white and more than they should apologize for being asian I don't know. Like, it's hard to decipher what's going on in the minds of a lot of people. I've gotten. I must say, on a personal level, just mm-hmm. between you and all the, the listeners thousand. out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, as a as a as but a just, black hey, we'll person, just keep it
1: here. We'll just keep it. Here. We'll just yeah. keep. I yeah, would
0: we'll just keep it in the, our little room and 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 block yeah. the listeners. As a black person, Mike, yeah. I've gotten more calls from white people this week mm-hmm. than ever before. I'm sure. Like, and it's it's really you know it was it's really funny because they're like apologizing but some of them are not apologizing some of them are just like checking in and I'm like I live you know in a very safe neighborhood I'm Mm -hmm. not a threat but it makes me wonder if what's going on also in the minds of a lot of what you're calling liberal elitists Mm -hmm. is not nothing it's not just self-hatred but something in which people are seeing repentance an act of contrition redemption something to cleanse their souls of yeah any kind of racist impulse any kind of racist ideology any kind of racist actions that they might have committed or even thoughts that they might have had Mm -hmm. and they're looking at me the black guy to get something of the equivalent of a papal dispensation (laughs) exactly exactly "Bless, bless me father for i have sinned i'm a borderline racist i'm a white man i'm your friend uh can you forgive me yeah, Here's I'm just th- being—I'm just being, yeah. you know, how honest. I, I try to be. I just—I don't sugarcoat things. So and and seeing this publicly is probably what's going on.
1: Yeah, you know? I, you know what? I think that's exactly it. It's the public confession of, listen, I'm kind of a butthead, and, <laughs> and please forgive me, and asking for the black dudes to give them the three Hail Marys and three Our Fathers. You know. So right. would, would you do that now? Would you just please give all white people the their contrition of three hail Marys and three Our Fathers, and let's get on with it? You know, hell
0: no. We <laughs> get you no, dispens- <laughs> no dispensation from me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. No, no absolution. No, no. Oh, yeah. But 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 on a serious note. So right. So yeah. I think I think there's also some kind of political expediency. Yeah. Out of which these be- these these officers and these national guards are operating mm-hmm. from, they don't want a false conflict between military and civilian society. They no. don't want a racial uprising in this country. They don't want, and so whether it's genuine or whether it's you know it's a Strategic. performance. Yeah, well, I, I think strate- there's an element of strategy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I think that you know not all forms of artifice mm-hmm. and performance are to be condemned. Yeah. I'd I'd rather see some kind of dare I say the word inauthenticity Mm -hmm. that can be uh, overlooked rather than seeing speaking to someone who is a cosmopolitan who does not is a rugged individualist Mm -hmm. rather than see a case where you know black people are going to be hacking white people to death and and white people are just on the basis of a racial marker are going to be shooting black people. Yeah. with their A.K.A. rifles. I mean, right. I don't want, that is an America that would just break, and you know much of a patriot I am, would break no. my heart into. Yeah, no, and
1: I, you know, as we're having this conversation, I mean, <clears throat> what we don't want to see happen is Kent State. No. You know, Kent State was, what Kent, I remember I was 14 years old when Kent State happened, mm-hmm. and I was shocked. And what it did, it quelled riots Mm -hmm. it it slowed everything down there there, there was not the 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 political demonstrations after that because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden if you were a long-haired hippie freak you know the national guard would turn their rifles on you and open fire on you and then it was like a whole different conversation so it, it quelled the riots what it did though it created a subversive undertone yes that i think still goes on today
0: yes it does
1: you know and so it It put a short-term solution in, but it it created a long-term problem. And I think some of what happened at Kent State is what's showing up in the world today, too. So um, it's really, uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I think what the answer is 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 what we've talked about over and over again. More transparency, more difficult conversations, some really asking tough questions, and really questioning the answers that are provided by the leadership. And one of the problems we have is we happen to have, um, you know, a a president who doesn't like to be questioned. He doesn't like his authority to be questioned. And if there's one criticism I have of him, it's that all authority needs to be questioned constantly. Exactly. And if we, if we don't do that, uh, you can't hear me
0: poop. Oh, that's fine. We've. Uh, yeah. Well, we have, we have about um, uh, two minutes to go, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's more than just questioning of authority. Are you back, Mike? There we go. I'm back. I'm back now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's what's going on, man. Uh, and we got to start this question that has to start at the local level of, you know, how to rebuild communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, how to rebuild communities have become obsolete and uh they've been destroyed by drugs by poverty and um you know we've got to get back to a, not just an issue of self-reliance but also an issue of like i said i if we have welfare for rich people and big companies yeah at the exclusion of of poor people and there's this talk now of divesting the police force of I funds and, and 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 putting that money in and i think it's a false dichotomy it's not either or and i don't no. like this either or i you hate take the binary of- construct yeah yeah, I think that we need to talk about that maybe on the next show too, you know, yeah. explore that conversation.
1: Um, listen, we're almost done. I want to apologize to everyone for the technical challenges. It's, it's all on my end. I'm up here in Wisconsin and we haven't worked this out really well yet. But uh, dude, thank you so much. I, you know, I, I love what you provide, the perspective that opens things up for me. I hope people got value from today. Is there anything you want to say before
0: we go? No, just everyone be safe, stay positive and do your best to make the world a better place. That's all. That's
1: all you can ask, man. That's
0: all you can ask.
1: Thank you, brother. Have a great weekend. Have fun. Thank you everyone who listened.